Welcome to Rail Group On Air. This is Kevin Smith, Editor-in-Chief of International Railway Journal, and this is another podcast from IRJ, Railway Age, and Railway Track and Structures magazine. 2021 is the European Year of Rail, and despite the restrictions posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, the initiative has made an encouraging start. European rail industry leaders are seeking to maximise this opportunity to emphasise rail's importance in a future sustainable European transport network, and to achieve the ambitious targets in the European Commission's Smart and Sustainable Mobility Strategy. This includes doubling high-speed railway traffic by 2030 and doubling rail freight volumes by 2050. Today's guest is Philippe Citroën, Director General of UNIFE, the European Rail Industry Association. Philippe outlines the importance of the European Year of Rail and the work that is set to take place over the next nine months. We also discuss the renewal of Shift to Rail for a second programme, Europe's Rail, and what this means for European railway industry research and innovation. Finally, we reflect on the sector's hopes for European Union policies, including the Green Deal, and how Unifase members are set to contribute. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, well, thanks uh, very much for joining me, Philippe. Really appreciate your time. So, yeah, I think we're going to start off really and talk about Europe's Year of Rail. We've seen a few things happen in the first few months of 2021. I just want to really reflect on uh, how you see this playing out. Um, to begin with, what, what is the significance of 2021 of being the European Year of Rail? And, and what benefits do you think having this event offers the rail sector? Okay, so first of all, I'd like to thank you for uh, interviewing me. But uh, I would just want to say that Unifair, our members in the European Year of Rail, has a recognition of our sustainability credentials and economic value. And uh, we see that uh, the institutions acknowledging that our products are extremely safe and have an exceptionally low carbon footprint while maintaining high capacities. I think that the European Year of Rail also serves as a kickoff with the Commission releasing, you know, the new objective for transport. It was the communication made by Mrs. Valéan on the 9th of December. And there was also all this discussion of the EU Green Deal. Well, the rail supply industry is now focusing on doing its part in getting the EU where it wants to be. And now we have to prepare all of those rail stakeholders to meet the Valéan stated goals of doubling high-speed traffic within the next 30 years, while tripling freight during the same period. That's extremely challenging, and I'm seeing we have the opportunity to come back on these uh, uh, targets, which are yeah, sure. ambitious. And, and is UNIFE planning any particular events or initiatives to you know, mark this occasion and really emphasize the importance of this event for publicizing rail and well, uh, UNIFE has planned a year-long campaign where every month we will discuss uh, different elements of rail uh, supply. This month's topic is skills and training. So we are discussing education, digitalization, the workplace. It's an opportunity to show and realize what the trail is more than just transport. We are also actively participating and, and collaborating on EU Year of Rail events held by the institutions, including, you know, that there will be the official launch on the 29th of March of the European Year Relays, and it will feature a UNESCO's chair, Henry Poupa-Lafarge, who will be attending this meeting with the Commissioner, the Transport Minister of Portugal, and other uh, high-level people. It's uh, an initiative of the European Euro Rail, which is very important for us, 
and there will be public debates, uh, hackathons, info days, uh, and when, it, when, when it will be possible, there will be, I hope, visits of factory because it is very important if you want to show to the people what we are doing in our activities in Ray. And that's obviously something that's slightly difficult at the moment with the pandemic. Do you see that the coronavirus, and as it stands, is going to impact this event in any way? And are you doing anything to try and mitigate that potential impact? Of course, it's not an ideal situation. So all the events are taking place in a digital format, but it's a pandemic and we have to adapt ourselves, doing our best to bring relevant stakeholders together to think about race future in the safest way but I have been very surprised that in the webinar that we have organized, we can have from time to time almost 200 persons listening during one hour and a half. So it's, a, it's a quite successful way of promoting rail. So it's interesting to do that. But of course, we are waiting for having these events in person. And let's hope it sure. happens soon. Just wanted to say that there is also something which is quite important because there, there are talks about commission train traveling from Lisbon to Ljubljana if all goes well, because you know we are now in the framework of the Portuguese presidency and on 30, 30th of June it will be the Slovenian presidency and that will be operated by CR. So we hope that uh, measures continue to relax and this is able to happen as it would be very special. But like everything in a pandemic, we must see how the virus progresses. And we hope there will be no more cancellation and postponements. As unfortunately, we saw it, you know, with Inotran, Saturday, and so many others. So our members more are more concerned by the same thing happening to contract after half year of the closing of factories and supply chain disruptions. Today, the main fields of also to have to see cancellation or postponements of, of projects, but we are relatively confident that things are still quite okay. I think you said there with so many people attending these online events, it does show that there's a strong interest in this initiative and, and the work that you and your you know, other colleagues at the European institutions are doing. Um, what, what for you is a satisfactory outcome for the European Year of Rail? When we get to December, January next year, what do you hope that this initiative has really achieved? Well, the, the situation is happy, but sometimes we can, it's difficult, but we are happy to see the, the passing of the new multiannual financial framework for the next uh, seven years. We have the recovery funds and have the opportunity to come back on these. You have the extension of shift to rate, which is now called Europe's rate. So this is good already for the beginning of 2021. But what we hope is to see increased awareness and recognition of our contribution to modern Europe and future sustainability, so that the national recovery plans are really an opportunity to do that. And we really hope that they, in the, those national recovery plans, they will be a big part of rail and green investments. So we are carefully trying to monitor the situation in different member states to see what they are proposing to the Commission. And we also hope that the European Year will show people that this is a special moment with the end of the pandemic and the EU response to spur on the resilience and economic recovery. And really, as I said, it already is up to the challenge. And let's hope really for these recovery plans, because in these plans, there will be, there will be investment of billions of euros across Europe to generate economic activity, connect us and make us more resilient. All things that uh, really is doing. Uh, so it's important for us to be sure 
that during this year, the European Year of Rail, uh, people, citizens, policymakers will be sure that rail is an essential tool for climate action, economic development, and coming out of the, this crisis. So the, the year in itself is a seems like a great springboard for you no know, future years and you know future investments and promoting rail and mm -hmm. giving it you know a real spotlight. Would you say that's fair? I think we are entering in kind of a new period for rail, and we see the adverse impacts of climate change more and more. COVID has shown Europeans the importance of keeping goods and people moving, and rail is well suited to address both needs. And, and what has been done during the big pandemic crisis last year when there were all those lockdowns and the, the fact that the, the rail freight continued to bring uh, food and everything to the people and to the industry was absolutely essential. And I really think that if national governments uh, choose to include rail in these uh, recovery plans, it could really fuel a renaissance for rail solutions across Europe and be uh, really a big step for both completing the 10 corridor, we come back on this, and the, the decarbonisation of transport. You mentioned previously um, Europe's rail, which was announced as a successor to shift to rail um, on February the 23rd. I was you know, wondering what Unifay's view on the new programme is and what you hope it can achieve for the European railway industry and your members in the future. Well, you know that Unifay has always been a very big supporter and we, we are a strong supporter of Europe's rail, uh, the successor of shift to rail undertaking. I personally think that uh, Fitorade is a success that has considerably improved the research and innovation cooperation between European rail stakeholders. And don't forget that in Fitorade 1, you have the operators involved, the infrastructure managers, the rail supply industry, the university, the research center, the SMEs. That is the, it's the first time that it happened. And uh, we, we've been really able to focus on the development of key technologies for rails. From when I see Europe's rail, we continue this cooperation and we'll focus mainly on the digitalization and the increased sustainability of rail transport. And because we, we really need to increase the attractiveness of rail transport and consequently its market share compared to other modes of transport. But you know that ERAC has published in December 2020 what we call the Strategic Rail Research and Innovation Agenda, the SRIA in which there are nine transforming projects described and presented. And those transforming projects, which are linked uh, mainly to uh, digitization, are really a key priorities for Europe's rail. And you know that there will be in uh, Europe's rail the implementation of uh, system pillar, which will allow the delivery of a rail system architecture supported by the sector, and that should fasten the deployment of new technologies in the future. So we have on our side digitalization, but we also have to work, and it's been declared yesterday in the parliament by uh, Carlo Borghini, the executive uh, director of uh, shift to who's been doing this enormous task in the past five years, that we must not forget also other modes of transportation, mm. like uh, hydrogen, batteries. So, so I, I really think that uh, Europe's rails is a valuable asset in setting first priorities for the sector and its institutional partners in, in Brussels. And we attempt to keep the European technological leadership because it is absolutely essential for the rail supply industry. And we have to also to change how Europeans move themselves and go to the benefit of the planet. But I think that um, 
the motivation of our members on, on chip trade too, on our core Europe trade is absolutely essentially really show that we want to continue to innovate in, in our sector and bring back to passengers to our sectors because the situation is quite difficult all over the world for the, the transport sector. Absolutely. Is the budget for the programme itself, is that in line with expectations? I, I know there was talk of it being you know, slightly higher than it's come in at around a billion euros. Um, are you, you know, satisfied with that? And, and how does it perhaps compare with other sectors and what they're receiving? And In a public-private partnership, there is a co-finance, the co-funding by the uh, industry and the operators, the trust managers and uh, the resupply industry. And there is the grant which is given by the EU institutions. And uh, uh, of course, on one side, when you have this uh, partnership, you must be sure that the industry is really keen to participate and to bring its, uh, sure. its support. So that, that we must not forget it. And on the other side, you have the, the support uh, given by the EU institution. It's true that we're a bit disappointed by just uh, this uh, location of 600 million euros in funding, which is already quite a lot of money. But in Shift Rail 1, it was 450. But we are really far from what we expect on our side. But we understand that the, the Commission has to make some uh, arbitration between all the requests made by all the, the, the sector and our competing sector. So, of course, there is a kind of Disappointed because we were very far from what we, we wanted to put on the table and to request from the EU institution. But now that negotiations have started between the European Commission and EU Council on what they call the Single Basic Act, we hope that the EU member states will push for a higher increase of EU funding budget for Europe's trade. But from what I understood, it would be certainly very difficult to have more, more than those 600 million. But that, that makes a, a program of 1 billion too which is uh, already quite a lot of money. But yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and hopefully those funds will contribute to great strides forward in railway research and railway technology, which is the objective of the programme itself. And, uh, and clearly your members will play a key role in that. And, and, I, and I can add something. You know that there are non-EU countries who are also interested to, to sure. The ship trail. I will not name a country that you. <laughs> what we we know, they are also the, the Swiss and the uh, the Norwegians who seem to be very interested to join uh, Euro trade. So let's see what happens. It's it's part of a political negotiation, but it's interesting to see that they are interested by Euro trade. Sure, and the and the list of members for the new initiative. There are a lot of names on there that weren't in the program first time around, and I think. It looks like Shifter Rail Europe's rail have done well to you know, bring people into the, the circle that weren't there initially. And today it's not a very easy period because of some of the members of the, of the companies who want to be part of Shifter Rail are going through difficulties because of the pandemic. So it's been the yeah. same for all of us, but, this, but all of them consider that if we want to keep our leadership in, in all over the world and um, what we are doing in promotion of the, the rail sector, we need to continue to have this kind of uh, very uh, ambitious program. And that's why it's good to see that there are a lot of interest on Europe's rail. Definitely. Yeah, it's an exciting few years ahead. Mm -hmm. um, okay, it's just moving on then slightly. We'll talk about the European um, Green Deal, which is you know, clearly the cornerstone of um, current commission um, led by Ursula von der Leyen. Clearly, rail is the most sustainable transport mode and has important roles to play here. And you know, this is a you know, real positive position for rail. Now, what specific opportunities do you feel that this policy offers the rail sector? And what challenges are there facing rail to maximise these potential benefits? 
So there are a lot of questions. On <laughs> First of all, I think that it really is by far the, the most carbon efficient mass transportation mode. You know that it accounts for less than 0.4 of uh, GHH uh, emissions for transport, although it carries 17.9% uh, of inland freight and uh, 8.4% uh, of passengers in Europe. Uh, and to give an idea, civil aviation accounts for 14% and road transportation for 72% of GHH emissions for transport. There will be no successful Green Deal without ambitious sustainable transport policy at EU and national level, which makes rail the true backbone of the clean, integrated digital transport system. In this sense, we of course support the objectives of the European Commission to double rail freight traffic and triple high-speed rail traffic by 2050, as enshrined in the Sustainable and Smart Mobility Strategy. But it's now time to translate these targets into swift and concrete actions, be it via EU-targeted investments or regulatory actions. But it's not so so easy because it, you you can have this big target and you remember we had the same uh, targets in 2011 when the, yeah, sure. the white paper. It's not so easy that you, you really need at some point to to be sure that you have a kind of plan and that you know exactly how you're going to progress on this. So, and we come back, for example, of the RTMS deployment plan, which is a very interesting way of planning the investment for the next 10 or 20 years. As we as we saw. Last week, indeed, a provisional agreement for the Connecting Europe facility was agreed um, with 25.8 billion of the 33.7 billion fund earmarked to co-fund transport project. Do you feel that this is a good figure? Now, is this what you are in line with expectations and specifically you know, to deliver the goals of the Commission's sustainable and smart mobility strategy, which you know, you've highlighted previously? Well, I will not enter into calculation, but we made the, the calculation today. But uh, uh, when we see what has been adopted uh, on CEF, what they call it CEF 2, uh, 25 billion 81, including 1129 uh, transfer from the cohesion fund for cohesion countries, I think that if we get 23.7 billion for the transport, sector, it will be a slight increase in comparison to during CEP1. From what I see, we will get 25 billion 81 in CEP2, and in CEP1, it was 23.7. So there is a slight increase. Sure. And it's good to know that there's been an agreement because it means that the first call for proposals for CEP2 could be launched uh, soon in uh, 2021, uh, subject of, of course to the final endorsement for the co-legislators. So for CEF2, from what we understand, we'll have to promote uh, interconnected and multimodal networks to develop and modernize railways, as well as safe and secure mobility, including interoperability and our favorite topics on ARTMS. Because you know, CEF is linked to the Trans-European Transport Network, yeah. It's focused on the missing links and cross-border projects with uh, EU added value. Uh, particularly for ERTMS in CEF 2, based on the lesson learned until CEF 1, funding should be provided following the traditional grants approach with co-financing provided by the European Commission. Instead of, uh, you remember, there was this blending modality 
which was supposed to facilitate a quicker uptake of your TMS projects, but I have the feeling that they don't want to continue on this uh, system of blending for, for your TMS. So, this is one thing which is also important, and we hope it will be the case in CEF2, is that during the previous CEF program, which went from 2014 to 2020, RAIL has received by far the largest part of grant funding with a total of 72% of the overall transport envelope, that was uh, 60.3 billion. In the sense, uh, Unifil will, of course, uh, continue to push the Commission to continue this favorable trend for our sector. And you know that the Commission has launched uh, revisions of the 10Ts guideline for the, uh, it could be, there will be a proposal, a new proposal from the Commission presented to the Council in the third part of this year. I think the importance of this policy is recognized and supported by Unifil because it sets a legally binding obligation to develop and complete core and comprehensive 10 networks, mm. which are key drivers for connecting regions all over the world. I, I personally think after being, having spent quite a lot of years in Russia that the 10 policy is really uh, something very successful if you want really to increase the model part of the sector and if you want really to create a single European railway area. I think that uh, modernizing and adapting the TENTIS guidelines will be a key enabler for this in particular because we have to achieve the objectives of doubling rail freight traffic and tripling high-speed rail traffic by 2050, as it is uh, mentioned in the certain ones of mobility. Exactly. That's one of my next questions, really, particularly with doubling the level of high-speed traffic on the network by 2030 you know that's a it's a very ambitious target and you know, do, you, do you feel that's a re realistic target i i think you, you need to have target we, we saw that how difficult it was with the white paper of 2011 but it, it was there and it's really important I, I think there must be a clear mobilization of not only well, the Commission, but the member states with the support of the, the parliaments and the, uh, the operators, the infrastructure managers and industry, if you want to, to achieve those uh, important, ambitious goals. And of course, it's interesting because you have this, this debate today about high-speed and high-speed projects. So let, let's see if in the next years, but we don't have to wait too much if you want to be ready by 2030, if there will be new high-speed projects launching in Europe, and that will be also very interesting. But we really need, I think, to continue to push on the moral shift because, you know, in the white paper of 2011, there were really ambitious moral shift targets, and in this, the new document which has been presented by the Vice President of the Commission, Mr. Timamans, who's in charge of Green Deal and Mrs. Valiana, Transport Commission. There are uh, important uh, declarations and things which have been said. I, I see a declaration made by Mrs. Valiana, the Transport Commission, as she said, we need to limit short-haul journeys by aviation and make sure that under 500 kilometers within Europe, travel becomes carbon neutral, meaning less flights, more trains, and cleaner public transport. So, fantastic declaration for us. But this will also require uh, solutions such as night trains, which sure. has uh, many members of the European Parliament excited uh, because that uh, will certainly extend rail accessibility. And you know, there's a lot of talks on the night trains, so things are progressing and uh, several member states are now going to reinvest in night train and that's also very important, I think. Definitely. And 
I think it, it really comes down a lot to the member states and uh, as well as you know, the European Commission can set the expectations, but a lot of the investment in new, new infrastructure will be member state led. And, and do, do you feel that the pandemic uh, might impact you know, these potential plans or indeed it, it could lead to a, a greater stimulus in infrastructure construction in, in the next few years? From, from, from what I hear that some member states have de uh, already decided to, to put some real projects in their recovery plan, which would be a good thing because, the, you know, the recovery plan, you, you have to make the investment between now and 2026. It means that yeah. you have to be ready with some projects and you must launch the tenders uh, almost tomorrow. So for, for your TMS to be, we think it's quite easy to do that. For the uh, uh, renewal of fleet trains, could be done uh, as well. I know that some countries want also to renovate the uh, urban transport system. So, so a lot of things can be done in the national recovery. But in in the MFF, it's a bit different because it goes to the normal funding uh, system, which has sure. been protected. Because if you look at what happened at SEF, uh, the INEAR agency, which was uh, excellent, they've been able to invest almost the money was to which was uh, there, and that's excellent. And we know that there were all other subscriptions for some of the, uh, the the projects which have been launched. So I hope that the rail projects are in your drawers of the faster managers with the support of the commission that would be absolutely essential. Because if you want to, uh, for example, if you look at the rail freight, so it would be a substantial increase, 30% uh, by 2030. 50% by 2050, as uh, specified in the EU sustainable and smart mobility strategy. So you really need to have an increase in, in rail cap capacity. And uh, I would say that compared to our friends in America, Europeans, European freight has a lot of space to, uh, to grow. And uh, maybe I could mention something which has been launched by the executive director, Carlo Bogni, which is uh, Important is what uh, they are planning to do in uh, Europe's rail on the digital automatic coupler. Could be one of the viable solutions for capacity increase of the scale needed. You know that this uh, technology increases the coupling efficiency of the whole rail sector by eliminating the need to manually couple wagons and is a major key enabler for digitization of the European rail freight system as it connects wagons physically, electrically, and also digitally by allowing to share that. But I think that the, there is a big motivation of the investor managers in Europe and the, the work done by the, the GEO is interesting. So they want to be ready for Europe's rail and to be sure that on freight there would be some innovation. We have also, if you want to do things there, you need to have uh, to continue the deployment of the RTMS with the support, you know, of the coordinator for RTMS, Mr. Matthias Rutte, who recently released his action plan, increased uh, deployment, and wants to facilitate uh, new green deal shifts to rail by uh, having more investment on, on, on RTMS. And then uh, there will be certainty, and uh, we hope that in SEF there will be. Uh, also possibility to have uh, when you don't want to electrify to be sure that you could use other modes of investment like hydrogen and batteries and we hope because in the, one of the proposals we saw 
on the two, the, the, there was nothing for no investments, no forecast for in hydrogen. So mm. we were a bit surprised about this. So we hope that the, the Commission and the member states will, in the end, uh, accept to put uh, hydrogen investments in SEF. So, so that's where we are today. So it's, uh, but um, I think that we, we really have to roll up our, our sleeves and, and really to to have a real plan uh, and have a lot of pressure if you want to be ready uh, by 2030 uh, because the, the targets are quite ambitious, as you say. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of work ahead of us, but there's a lot of exciting things happening at the same time, which you know, it has a chance of being possible, which is encouraging for the sector and railways and for you know, the supply sector itself. And that, that, that's where we are. So we, we are happy to, to be in the European Year of Rail. We, we really hope that there will be a uh, possibility to some, have some uh, events uh, in person. Uh, let's let's hope uh, at least after the the, the, the summer, because uh, celebrating the European Year Rail only on the computer is uh, interesting. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, and the Portuguese have a big agenda to manage in, as the chair of the uh, EU institution during six months. But, uh, Fully, there has been an agreement on self, and now all the, the funding instruments are there. So now we have to be sure that they will be ready to spend them to launch the tender and to spend the money as soon as possible. So the two Portuguese and Slovenian uh, presidents have a lot of work to to do, and it's interesting to see as well. Uh, had uh, we had uh, with the chair of Unifair meeting with the transport minister of Portugal that. Uh, mm. Portugal, they are going. They are planning to invest quite a lot of money on the kind of renaissance of their rail system, which is a good thing, not only for mainline but as well for urban transport. So, so there is a big motivation in, in, in Portugal, which is an excellent thing. And we know that other countries would be quite interested to have at least some rail investments in their recovery plan. It's certainly very important for us. Absolutely, it's a step change in policy there, which is you know, really encouraging for that country. And yeah, like you say, hopefully others you know, can follow that lead. Thanks again for your time, Philippe. Really appreciate it. And uh, wishing you and all at Unife the really very best for the European Year of Rail. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please do leave us a review. And for all the latest rail news, please visit railjournal.com or follow us on social media at railjournal. My name is Kevin Smith, and this has been Rail Group On Air.